no way in hell are we letting an episode only be 35 minutes. We got a lot to talk about here. Oh, man. Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. try to make cancer for breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. This is our podcast, Cancer for Breakfast. I thought it was Lou Gehrig's disease for breakfast. It's not. Shoot. That's the other one. Oh, I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> Guess they're meeting down the hall oh, today. Again. They're in room two. They're in room two this week. Um, hi, Steph. Oh, hi. Hey, everyone. Big announcement about Steph. She submitted this beautiful, beautiful essay to this literary journal that is a breast cancer journal and was selected. Mm -hmm. I was. Will you tell us about this? Yeah, it's exciting. It's the first piece of cancer specific writing that I've done. Um, And Wildfire Breast Cancer Magazine picked it up. And so that's really cool. Um, it was really validating to be selected. Yes. So um, the digital issue is available on April 10th and mm-hmm. print issues will be available around April 20th. Wonderful. Um, and you can buy it if you would like to um it is a little pricey but it's a very nice literary journal so um yeah so yeah it's cool it's wildfirecommunity.org and the issue is on grief and acceptance yeah um so yeah i don't know i'm excited i'm excited to see my name in print thank you yeah and you were kind enough to let me read it and it really is a beautiful piece of writing and stuff's like a real writer i don't know if you guys know that behind the scenes but she's like it's true it's true she's a writer i mean you I could tell know. by listening to her but <laughs> i've got that writerly <laughs> twang to my voice i hang on to your every word so you can tell i'm wearing a monocle <laughs> yes <laughs> um no. so can can we talk about drugs oh i wish we would <laughs> i wish we would i want to know who has ever taken the wrong drugs <laughs> and had a real, real good time? <laughs> I am such an idiot. I bought, uh, what's it called? Oh, a, a, tinct- a tincture. A tincture. Mm-hmm. I bought a very lovely drug-free tincture with herbs from the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. I mean, this didn't even have alcohol in it. It was apple cider vinegar based. Yeah, that's so, it's so Portland. It's so Portland. Um, <laughs> it was like some like chill out Northwest tincture with like skullcap and chamomile and, you know, Northwest honey flower. I bet it was all wild foraged, was it? I'm sure. I am <laughs> sure. Um, and I just spent like two days raving about it to Steph like Mm -hmm. how I could actually sleep at night and I was going to sleep so much earlier and was just so ready to 
to just fall right asleep. And that's just not, that's not my vibe. You guys, it's just not, <laughs> you were, you were legitimately chilled out. I was legitimately going to buy you a bottle at this week's farmer's market and send it to you. You were asking me to run by, run the ingredients by my oncologist. <laughs> Can I take skull cap? Can I take chamomile? No, really, this stuff is so good. Like it was a miracle. Get in your my chart right now and ask her. It's worth it. Mm-hmm. And then I text Steph like yesterday morning and I was like, remember how I was raving about the tincture? <laughs> and she's like, yes. And I was like, I looked at my prescription medication bottles that I just refilled a few nights ago and put back on my nightstand in different positions. <laughs> and my two nighttime bottles have been normally Effexor, which is my anti-D slash hot flash fighter, which uh-huh. I recommend to anyone. Um, and my Effexor, which is like my cancer fighting oh. daily. Is it the Arimidex? Yeah. Oh, did I say Effexor again? You did. I, <laughs> that's how much I love it. I will say it another time. Effexor? Effexor? <laughs> That medication name really affects her. <laughs> Get it? It's like it's a little joke I just did on the spot. Um, I like it. No, um, Arumidex. Yeah, my AI estrogen blocking cancer fighting medication. So instead, and I will say the name again, I was taking Effexor and fucking Xanax. The Xanax <laughs> bottle somehow that I just like never touch. I mean, let's not be total purists. I touch it like once a month or so mm-hmm. like and I usually take like a half. It's usually nowhere near my two bottles, but I mix them up somehow. And so I was full on taking a full Xanax and just loving my chill out zone in the Northwest. <laughs> you wild foraged that Xanax right off of your nightstand. Right off of it, which I thought was the funniest thing. It was so funny that I didn't even care that I didn't take my your AI, yeah. AI, because I think the sleep was so worth it that it probably... It had the same effect. ...fought yeah. way more cancer cells in my body than any old prescription cancer fighter could have possibly done. In your defense, those pills look a lot alike. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and I've taken the tincture since then, and it's still lovely, but it is no... It's no Xanax. It is no cold hard than <laughs> alas if only i i'm sure many of us have done something similar but mm-hmm. i usually take xanax on purpose but I'll, I'll maybe i'll try taking it accidentally here and there just for fun i mean it does seem like it would hit you harder that way where you're just like whoa what is going on like i would love to be surprised by calmness <laughs> someday <laughs> Yeah, and now I'm addicted to Xanax, so. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Anyway, we wanted to actually have a serious convo. We did. With our listeners. It's true. It's time to bring bring the tone down a notch to the serious side. Frame us up here, Steph. What's up? Okay, so obviously when you're having a conversation about cancer, Mm -hmm. you're bound to get differing opinions. Mm-hmm. All of which are valid, mm-hmm. all of which are necessary to the conversation. Yeah. And we got our first complaint. First of many, no doubt. I will say, to make it seven episodes in, 
which is this our seventh episode? Yeah, it is. We, technically, we are currently in our seventh yeah. episode. So to make it seven episodes in and only have one complaint, I feel like we should maybe have like a luncheon where we are presented with trophies. Yeah. However, if, instead. If anybody wants to organize that. <laughs> instead of that, we're going to address the comment and open it up to a broader conversation because this is not going to be our first or only complaint. Mm-hmm. Because this is a weird-ass subject matter, and it's easy to rub people in the wrong direction. Yeah, it's a minefield, let's be honest. But it, this was about my—the um, complaint that is triggering this combo is about my Amisode episode, which is my diagnosis story. And it, mm-hmm. it came from a metastatic gal who said she couldn't get through the episode because she was very shattered by— my complete your relief relief and giddiness over finding out that I was stage 2b and and that I wasn't metastatic and when you were saying that you're glad not to be metastatic you weren't saying i'm glad not to be you right. stephanie lesioness no <laughs> because my situation is unique right it's me it's it's not i'm i am not metastatic breast cancer if you had it it would be different for you if I had early stage, if I had melanoma, if I had leukemia, my situation would be different. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to remember, you know, as we're doing this podcast, just for you and me to remember and for people who are listening to. Mm-hmm. It's it's the individual. It's not the diagnosis. Like I thought I was not going to live to like see my 15 month old daughter speak sentences. Like I yeah. thought that that was what was going on with me. And so when I found out which is incorrect, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, but that's what you think. And that was me telling that story. And that was the part of the story that I was at was, okay, like it, it hasn't spread through my body. I found this out. And after waiting, you know, a month and a half to get that news, it was a huge relief. I think that as part of the metastatic community, I feel like I have to say, we can't begrudge you an early stage diagnosis. I don't want anybody to have metastatic cancer. I don't want anybody right. to have chronic cancer. When I was diagnosed, I thought it was a an immediate death mm-hmm. sentence also. And I think that that's part of why this podcast that we're doing is relevant and helpful is we have very different stories. Right. And your story, Amy, represents the vast majority of breast cancer patients. And mine is the vast minority. But I think that both are valid. Both are important. And then in between us, there's a huge variety of experiences. Right. And we wanted to make this an all comers podcast. And with that comes that huge variety of experiences, some of it better than others. Right. Objectively. And I do think our show does a good job of or aims to at least kind of demystifying other people's experiences a little bit. Like, I think that for an early stager to, like, get to know you, stuff or hear your diagnosis story, I think would probably actually help a lot of early stagers with some of the stage four fright and almost phobia. I know, like, some people are even, like, kind of scared to learn about it. Like, I was earlier on, I was scared to learn yeah. about it. But I think that, like... Kind of like seeing what's behind the curtain almost like, you know, and and of course now we're getting away from that letter and more into a general conversation. This letter just kind of like 
made us think we probably should kind of talk about the complexities of the subject yeah. of doing this podcast and being like non-medical professionals and just being like two gals that want to kind of open up the conversation and make people maybe not feel as alone. I think that you have to understand when you come into this podcast that every diagnosis, every situation under the big wide cancer umbrella comes with its own pluses and minuses. Mm -hmm. The overarching huge gigantic fucking minus is cancer. We all have it or had it. Right. For most people with cancer, it's a lifelong thing that you're dealing with. Your treatments mm-hmm. cause long-term effects. Yeah. People are afraid to pull back that curtain. I was afraid to pull back that curtain until I was forced to. Right. I mean, somebody mm-hmm. like shoved me through the curtain. I didn't <laughs> I didn't even pull it back. Yeah. I am hearing from non-cancer people and, you know, even on our reviews on the Apple podcast app, a lot of folks are saying, like, I'm not a cancer person, but it has been, like, really great to kind of, like, understand more or understand how to talk to their friends and family members who are going through it or have gone through it in, in a way. You know, I've had friends reach out to me who now feel like they know how to talk to me about it a little bit better just from hearing it and stuff. Yeah. But I want to say, like, I want everyone to feel like they can write us letters no matter how sad their news is, good news that they get, no matter how small their Mm -hmm. quote-unquote cancer diagnosis may seem in comparison to others. Whatever anyone's going through, this definitely is an all-comers space and it's not just about breast cancer and it's just open for whatever conversation comes about and I just want listeners to feel as safe as they can while listening um, but to listen with a very open general mind and not take things too personally yeah because every story is just so individual I think that it is a complicated thing to celebrate successes and also hold space for the darker stuff mm-hmm. within the same podcast. Yeah. But you don't want one without the other because that's right. just totally lacking in nuance. Totally. Every experience is so multifaceted that you can't distill it down to only good news or only sad stuff. Right. Because what is the point of that if we just try and pull the shades over any part of it because that is what cancer is like even us joking around like it's not us just trying to make light of a hard subject it's like because we do joke around like we're being human beings with cancer yeah (laughs) Yeah. and like same with with the darker shit like that's the entire reason that cancer sucks is the dark side of it and that is the reason that we're all so terrified and that is the common thing that does bind us all together unfortunately and that is the thing that binds me with that woman that wrote that letter for example is like yeah you know maybe she doesn't realize she actually does have more in common with me than she might think you know and maybe she doesn't know about being diagnosed with 2b actually is incredibly terrifying and it isn't something that's just over once it's over like yeah it's valid to be terrified by that yeah it's no picnic man and any situation can absolutely change on a dime. Um, and that's just part of the overall shittiness of cancer. That's mm-hmm. what brings us all together. True that. Yeah. And I, I mean, if that woman is listening, I don't want her to feel like this is all about her. It was really just something that was sort of a starting point for 
a wider conversation because we really, I mean, we are going to get complaints as we go. I mean, just listen to the rest of this episode and start <laughs> typing because, woo, do we have some shit in store for you? There's so much to complain about me. <laughs> I've been getting complaints my entire life. Just keep them coming. Yeah. Totes. All right. Well, I feel like that's kind of all we can really say about it at the moment, but hopefully. Um, I don't know. I think that Overall, we do our best, and that's all we can do. Right. Totally. Um, Stephanie, mm -hmm. do you want to hear some letters? I do. Do you have some? I have I have two letters that I'm... To share? I'm sharing them. Everyone <laughs> can have some. Excellent. <laughs> Splitsies for everyone. Hooray! A slice for each. Uh, okay, so this first letter... I actually sourced from a friend when we were first starting this podcast and she was mm -hmm. so nice to take the time to send us a very beautiful letter and I really like her and she went like super viral. I hope I don't think she would mind if I say this, but she went super viral when she did this whole like Twitter thing about being incorrectly diagnosed as fat oh, yeah. when she had bone marrow cancer. Yeah. I think I told you about this article and you were like, I already read that article. You know that girl? Yeah. And yeah. Because it became yes. like. Well, it was all over the fat activist communities. I happen to be a fat person, so I am pretty dialed in as far as that goes. And um, I do remember when this came out, but unfortunately, it's not a terribly unique story. I right. mean, people get overlooked their health problems get pushed to the side all the time because doctors are too willing to focus on quote-unquote obesity um so right. good for her for shining a light on that bullshit yeah and you can follow her at jen curran on twitter also is it at j-e-n-c-u-r-r-a-n girl you know it's true ooh, um ooh, ooh. okay get serious Mm -hmm. Stop messing around. Okay. Mm -hmm. Dear Cancer for Breakfast, that's us. The morning is normal. The 23-month-old is her beautiful self, busy, brilliant, and a lot. I'm barely able to get ready. My body hurts pretty much all the time. I just turned 40, and so I will pretend it is age, but it's everything. I am slow now and sleepy. Kevin takes the baby. It's time for her nap. By the way... I didn't write this. She just happens <laughs> to be another person who's dealing with cancer with a Kevin and a baby. I swear to God. You guys have so much in common. We do. Um, I throw on some jeans and a sweatshirt. No bra. My new rule. Mm -hmm. We also have that in common. Mm -hmm. Then, as I am, I kid you not, walking out the door to go to chemotherapy, the front desk woman at the clinic calls. We still can't verify your insurance. I don't know what to do. Please call me back. We'd spent the day before on the phone about this. It had been handled, but now it's not. She wants to know if we can reschedule. No. Mm -mm. She wants me to know I might be on the hook for however many thousands of dollars today's treatment costs if they can't win their argument with my insurance company. Fine. She's a very helpful and very stressed out person. 
I drive into the city, my hair practically on fire with your classic let's take care of bullshit energy. I single-handedly, okay, with the help of Shira at Anthem, fix the insurance problem from the car. (laughs) After a delightful visit with my doc, who I love, and all my numbers look fine, I head out to the back for treatment. The nurses are hooking me up, needle being inserted into wrist and poorly, when the power goes out. We all gasp. It's just thrilling. like I did. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perfect. Um, dark room, lots of chatter. She still can't find a vein. Another nurse holds an iPhone light for her. Still nothing. They trade places. It works. Barb gets the IV in. Barb tells me later she's proud of herself. She's never done an IV in the dark before. Wow. It is pretty cool, I think. The front desk woman comes back to update me on my insurance situation from her end. I don't know if it's the lighting, it's still off, or the masks, we are wearing masks, but she ends up telling me a lot of really personal, heart-wrenching details about herself that are, if I'm being honest, too intense for chemo. Oh, yikes. Call me crazy. She is someone who does this, unloads her situation on people. I think I already know everything about her, but she brings out the big guns today. I get the full backstory. The saga since she was 10 years old, told in between belly laps in her raspy smoker's voice. She switches chairs at one point, and we do another 20 minutes from (laughs) her new chair. Oh, my God. No. Lady, come on. Read the room. (laughs) Right. The power eventually comes back on. Everyone cheers. An announcement comes over the building's loudspeakers a few minutes later. The power is back on. (laughs) I like that. When I get home, I spend the afternoon and evening with the kid and put her to bed. I'm changing her last diaper, and she's upset with me for moving bedtime along. I try to distract. How old are you going to be next month? She must be getting sick of this question because the moment I ask, she pees in my hand. (laughs) Wow, I say. She frowns at me. My Christmas tree is still up. I will interrupt to say she did send this to us in February, so (laughs) don't you dare judge her. (laughs) I just imagine her listening to this and like it comes out in April and she's like, you bitch. (laughs) Threw me under the bus. (laughs) No, but. My Christmas tree is still up. My husband is working weekends for the foreseeable future. I am barely hanging on. But then I have a day like this where things are alive. Yes, it is a lot of shitty, weird stuff. But isn't that what I've come to expect? A nonstop ride? I'd like to say I'm better equipped to take it all in stride these days. But the truth is I have such enormous fish to fry that the tiny fish don't register anymore. Things are getting quieter today. I am coming down from my steroids. I am going to have an edible when Kevin puts the baby to bed. And I ordered us Greek food and Diet Cokes. How Mm. bad could life be? (laughs) I have always liked chaos, I suppose. I have thrived in it. I liked when the lights went out at chemo. Even still, I wouldn't wish this cancer lifestyle on anyone. It is just not how you want to be spending your time. As far as cancers go, mine's got its pluses and minuses. I have multiple myeloma, which is basically bone marrow cancer. No cure. Lifelong treatment. I was diagnosed when my daughter was four months old. My immune system is fucked, so that's a minus. 
Sometimes I look at the graphs on the Cedars website just to be reminded. Wow, it is fucked. My bones sometimes ache, but I think it's just motherhood. The most noticeable difference is everything. Mm. I've been in active chemo for about a year and a half now. I'll have to be on some form of treatment forever, but I don't lose my hair or my appetite or get super sick. I'm so lucky in that respect. 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 (laughs) Check, please. And they seem, quote unquote, seem to have a pretty good sense of my prognosis. You will live to see great grandchildren, my oncologist likes to say. Climate change will take us first, I think, but never say it out loud. He has grandchildren himself. He doesn't need my bad attitude. And so I will power ahead because what else can you do? Every morning I wake up overwhelmed. Dishes to do, medicine to take, a husband to correct, and a toddler to battle. The cat needs a pill in a global pandemic, but I will keep going because that's what we do. It's not that different from anyone else. Except it is. Love, Jen. Oh, that was good. It was good. Thank you so much, Jen. Such a relatable letter. Just Absolutely. Yeah. I feel you. And you can find her. She's at Jen Curran on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking right now at her Twitter and she's got a pinned tweet. That's this thread about. Oh, um, perfect. When, yeah. When she was diagnosed um, after having doctors kind of give her the brush off. So um, check that out for sure. It's pinned right up there. Awesome. For all to see. Cool. Okay. For shame, doctors, for shame. (laughs) Do we have another letter? Yeah. I have one more letter to read, a shorter one. And then um, after that stuff, you can present the rats segment. I'm going to unleash my rats on you. (laughs) Okay. So this is called the Elsa letter. Oh, wait. Was I not supposed to say that? That's just what I called it. (laughs) Okay. Cut that out. Okay. Dear Amy and Steph, I'm a massage therapist, and when I was diagnosed with stage 3 triple negative breast cancer, I was really worried about chemo affecting my hands and feet and giving me neuropathy. Oh, yeah. Feel you there, girl. Um, I am on my feet a lot when I work, and I obviously need to be able to use my hands, too. I read about ice pack gloves and socks that some people use when they sit in the chemo chair to try and avoid neuropathy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I ordered some of the socks and gloves and some spare ice pack inserts and brought them all to my chemo appointment in a lunchbox style cooler. Very organized. Yeah, way to go. Oh, and I took them out and put them on. My chemo nurses all started laughing because the gloves were light turquoise in color. (laughs) The same as the ones that Elsa wears in Frozen. (laughs) They called me Elsa as an inside joke until I was done with chemo. And on my last appointment, they played Let It Go. And gave me a little crown with Elsa on it. (laughs) That's really cute. It was so funny. And... It made me feel like they were all so happy for me. And that made me feel really special. Thanks for letting me share my story. The cold never bothered me anyway. Oh. Kelly. Oh, Kelly. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I love it. Yeah. It's so sweet. So I love that her nurses 
treated her like a real person and not just like a cancer patient and kind of gave her a little shit. Totally teased her. Yeah. And and we're just so thoughtful. It's very, very sweet, you know? Yeah. I mean, they really went out of their way to Mm -hmm. plan all of that stuff. That's really cool. It is really cool. Um, Yeah. Thank you so much for that letter. And Amy, you did chemo. What do you know about this uh, ice gloves and ice socks thing? Oh, yeah. I forget that this isn't like common knowledge for everyone. Yeah. But yeah, so to prevent neuropathy in your hands and your legs, some people or feet, some people do do the icing. I actually iced my eyebrows so that my hair wouldn't come out of my eyebrows, not for neuropathy, but it also it's kind of like the same thing where people do cold caps so they won't lose their hair. Yeah, which is like a heads. big ice pack hat thing right yeah it's a total disaster from what i've heard yeah um but don't come at me ice cappers if you loved it but many of the people i know who have ice capped it's like they still lost half their hair anyway and ended up shaving it and it's really expensive and it's super painful and it's time consuming but it has its uses and anyway but the eyebrows though i would like put ice packets in this weird little headband that I'd wear <laughs> and then I would just like change them out and then it just freezes your little brain and but it's kind of weird because for my chemo you don't always lose your eyebrows like you you lose your hair but like sometimes your brows hang on uh-huh did yours yeah but like I'm like well is it because I did the icing or is it because with this chemo sometimes you don't lose them and so I have no idea but you did lose the rest of your hair Oh, yeah. But I also yeah. didn't ice it. So, yeah. Well, this gal was super organized then. It sounds like she really went the extra mile. She really did. I hope it worked for her because that would be so intense to have a job that completely relies on being able to feel with your fingertips and stuff, you know? Like, seriously. The joys of cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Write us back and tell us if it did work now that some time's gone by. Yeah. Um, since, since doing it. Actually, can I read one more thing before we close the letters segment and do Mm -hmm. that? Yes. Um, This isn't actually a letter. It's also kind of a sourced thing from a friend. But um, I know this wonderful, wonderful woman named Hannah Levine, who I've known for, I don't know, 20 years now or something. And she posted something so beautiful on her social media. Her partner is going through some pretty serious cancer treatment that came on really suddenly and she is like a writer and she wrote this really lovely thing and she said that it would be fine if I read it on the show so I think I'll end the letters segment with yeah with this thing that she wrote um her partner is named Al Fowl and he's a pretty like prominent well-known musician in like Tucson Arizona music scene and um he has throat cancer that he's been Mm -hmm in treatment for but it's all been like very fast and very serious and a lot of people are really in his corner right now and so she wrote just a very heartfelt sweet thing and I just wanted to share it so I will if I wear white they can't make me a widow this was my logic as I got dressed to go to the hospital where I'll lay in bed one month ago as a massive blood clot was trying to beat cancer to the punch 
I had our medical power of attorney paperwork clutched in my hand, but sweaty palms and a steady stream of tears made me set it down over and over as I was gathering myself to leave. I was consumed with both anger and fear, as the clot was a very common and very dangerous side effect. One of four health care providers tending to Al should have caught before things got this bad. I was driving to the hospital in search of answers because no one would give me any on the phone. If I wear white, they can't make me a widow. This really seemed to make sense to me at the time, and actually it still does. If that's not some Joan Didion meets Courtney Love magical thinking, I don't know what is. <laughs> I didn't even realize how out there this sounded till I said it to my father on a Skype call before I left, and he burst into tears, covering his face with his hand. Al is home now. He is real thin, perpetually nauseous, and is so tired on so very many levels. The last week of treatment is approaching, as are my parents, who will be here to help us soon. We were supposed to get married this weekend, mm. with a big party in Bisbee and friends from near and far. We will still get married. We just don't know when. But not today. So tonight I will make a big Italian dinner with my girl Frankie. We will probably drink too much wine. We will laugh and I'm not going to cry. This will be over someday. But not today. Hmm. So thank you, Hannah, so much for letting me share that. And Yeah, best wishes to Al. Best wishes to Al, for sure. Um, hoping that he's going to get some really good results coming up yeah did you say that there was a tribute album available oh, yes so a bunch of musicians got together and this album is to raise funds for his treatment and um if you just maybe we can actually put a link to it it's just called al foul a tribute to the one and only and it's got all sorts of uh musicians on it like 28 artists there's like colexico um, Kid Congo Powers, Howie Gelb, and all sorts of other folks, too. That's awesome. So very cool. And yeah, I think that was beautifully written. And I just really appreciate being able to share that. Yeah. Pulling for you. <laughs> for sure. Well. Yeah. So if you want to send in a letter, like one of these amazing letters or anecdotes or you know what if you want to tag us in a social media post that you wouldn't mind us sharing if you don't want to actually like email us or send us a message but if you're like you could read this on your podcast just tag us yeah definitely because um, I got... thought that was cool to get Hannah's permission to read her post but absolutely yeah and we've got some uh some topics for you coming up we've got a body image episode mm -hmm. that we're working on. How fucked has cancer made your body? Very. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about it. Elaborate, though. Don't just say very. Um, we've got <laughs> our Mother's Day episode that, mm -hmm. that we're planning for mid-May. So if you have anything to say about motherhood, parenthood. Having a mother. Being a mother. Not being a mother. Not having a mother. In general. Yeah. And then the third topic that we've got brewing is, in many ways, my favorite. It is 
cancer for bitch fest. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just people bitching about any tiny thing that maybe feels too tiny and maybe it could feel shallow. It could feel like you're putting your energy in the wrong place. But we want to hear all about your bitching. We do. We want to bitch with you. (laughs) There's so much to bitch about. Yes. So if any of those things strike a nerve, uh, send us a message or tag us in a post or whatever. Mm -hmm. So let's get into some rat stuff. Let's hear our awesome new theme song that Mm -hmm. Jessica Boudreaux from Summer Cannibals wrote for us that we love. And a one. And a two. so much thank you so much she's the best and i just love that um that she was able to write this for us as another cancer person so today's rats Mm -hmm. is about her two positive cancers can you explain to listeners what that is in in case they don't know the HER2. Yeah. So HER2 positive cancer is a cancer that tests positive for this protein um, called human epidermal growth factor receptor 2 or HER2, HER2. And um, it is a protein that just promotes the growth of cancer cells. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is a rarer type of cancer. So it's about one in every five breast cancers. Um, Mm -hmm. The cancer cells have these extra copies of the gene that makes the HER2 protein. And HER2 positive cancers tend to be a little bit more aggressive. So having extra treatments is really cool. Heck yeah. I love it. And I don't, I didn't know this. Did you know that you can have HER2 positive cancers aside from breast cancer? I did not know this. I didn't either until I saw... um, a post for a clinical trial that is currently in the works about HER2 positive colon cancer and breast cancer, which Mm -hmm. was really interesting to me. I mean, it makes sense. Um, But this uh, study that I read about is specifically about HER2 positive metastatic breast cancer. But um, what I also read is that it should also have kind of the same or similar implications for colon cancer patients Mm -hmm. um, because HER2 positive colon cancer spreads in a really similar way to breast cancer. And so this is about the the tendency for HER2 positive cancers to spread to a patient's brain, which is obviously like uh horrible, terrifying stuff. For me, that's like the scariest um, right. The scariest metastatic site. And so I generally speaking, try to avoid articles and studies about um, brain mets because it's just like mm-hmm. too, too, a little too scary for me. Yeah. But this one was really cool and really optimistic. So 
Um, this grant recipient named Dr. Nancy Yu Lin, L-I-N is her last name. She did this study. Um, she has won the Conquer Cancer Grant twice. And so she's used this grant to study the cancer drug tucatinib, T-U-C-A-T-I-N-I-B, in combination with two other drugs. And it has just drastically improved both extracranial and intracranial progression-free survival, like just drastically. So um, the patients with brain metastases, and especially those with active brain mets, have been excluded from most clinical trials for a long time because I think my assumption would be that it's just like too intense of a situation and you aren't wanting to give the time to a trial. Mm. You know, you're just wanting to like get it out of oh, there. Uh-huh. And so they've been excluded. And so progress has been slow on trying to find new treatments and new ways to resolve this. Right. But um, Dr. Lynn here is taking the bull by the horns and she has now this regimen that produces objective responses. It prolongs time to progression and lengthens time and improves quality of life, drastically improving overall survival. Cool. Yeah. It's just, I think it's really neat that she found this area that's been underfunded and understudied, and she decided to take that on. Yeah. So the trial was a, a set of 291 patients with HER2 positive metastatic breast cancer with brain meds at baseline. They were randomly assigned this um, 2-catinib drug or a placebo in combination with these other two drugs. So they're getting treatment anyway. Um, mm -hmm. They're just measuring how you do with the two drugs versus the two drugs plus this other one. Okay. Um, the risk of brain progression was reduced by two thirds. Wow. And the risk of death, which sorry, trigger, trigger warning there, um, but is reduced by nearly half. That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, they're calling it a significant improvement in central nervous system progression-free survival. The drug is FDA approved already, so that's really nice. They can just kind of start using it. Wow. And Dr. Lin's study is the first randomized controlled trial to improve overall survival in patients with HER2-positive breast cancer brain meds. So that's a really big deal. Um, yeah. HER2-positive cancers... You know, like there have been great strides lately, but, you know, 10, 15 years ago, outcomes were pretty grim for people mm -hmm. with that HER2 positive. And so it's kind of the same as far as I've read for colon cancer patients that are also HER2 positive and um, just anything. Do you mean just if they were METs or just in general, like in general, their likelihood of of it metastasizing too. Yeah, well, it's um, you know, it's harder to treat historically. Mm -hmm. And um obviously they've got now Herceptin, which is a really yeah. really effective drug, but when you have one of these rarer types of cancer, you want every possibility, you know, because yeah. if one 
treatment stops working, you want to have another one to fall back on. Or if, you know, hopefully you don't, but if you do have, have progression, um, you know, you want to have options open. So this is, it was really nice to read about this and, and the fact that it has implications for treating colon cancer as well as breast cancer was really cool. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. I love hearing these rats so much. Yeah. Go Dr. Lynn. Go Dr. Lynn. What are you going to do next? Well, thanks, Steph. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, We'll put the study in the show notes or a link to more information. I guess that's that, eh? I think it is. Are we about done? I think so. I think we just made an episode. I think we sure did. And I think we'll be back next week. We sure will. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Hope that you're all getting good nudes. and Good, good, good nudes? nudes? Yeah. <laughs> I said news. I hope you're getting good news and good nudes. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Cancer for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Diles and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.